Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series, one by one, whilst having a drink. Um, we will be spoiler-free of details from future episodes, but full spoilers for episodes that we have already discussed on the podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm one of those weird people that doesn't have to hold a baby the minute that I see it. <laughs> Uh, and I'm Harrison, and I'm one of those people who doesn't have to hold a baby. End of sentence. I do not want to hold your baby. I'm, I'll wait till it's about seven or so and can have a conversation. So, so if I ha- so if if I ever end up having a kid, I will not hold it. Okay, fair enough. Now, um, let me in an emergency situation, if if you are holding your baby and suddenly. Your arms stop working, and you throw the baby into the air. I will attempt to catch the baby. I will hold it until a person, another person arrives. I'm not going to let that baby fall, but I do not. I'm not going to hold a baby for pleasure. Okay, I, 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 like now I know that, and I can like reference this if my future wife is ever like, "Why didn't you ask Harrison if he wanted to hold the baby?" Like, because I know he'd say no. I would. <laughs> like, I, I, am not. I don't want. I don't want her to babies. think I'm a jerk. <laughs> Just you just preempt it like when, listen when Harrison comes over just don't even offer he's gonna say no and he's and he's probably gonna make a face like he's disgusted <laughs> <laughs> he did the same thing at our wedding <laughs> <laughs> oh Jason what episode are we watching today we are watching Angel season three episode ten Dad this is the one where Angel is and the gang are dealing with the aftermath of the birth of his son. Who gets a name? Yeah, and uh, kind of a almost a repeat of um, of a quickening, a little bit with um, you know uh, Connor being under. By the way, the baby's name is Connor. <laughs> a good old Irish uh, name. Yeah, uh, with sorry, uh, Ireland. <laughs> with Connor being under constant threat from multiple factions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dad was written by David Goodman and directed by Fred Keller, and it originally aired on December 10th, 2001. Jason, what are you drinking today? I am drinking a beer that has loved the world over for its affordability. <laughs> True. <laughs> that is Pabst Blue Ribbon. Yeah. Also, I think, um, like, that that weird guy in Blue Velvet also likes Pabst Blue Ribbon, especially, and he just yells at a Kyle MacLachlan's character after <laughs> he wants a Heineken. I can't remember who that actor was. Was uh-huh. that Harvey Keitel? I think so. It's, he seems very Harvey Keitel. It's like I actually watched Blue Velvet for the first time recently. It was a uh, it was a monthathon movie this year, and uh, Skyler was very very excited when I told him I was I was going to watch it. Um, Dennis Hopper. Okay. I Same energy. I apologize to all the David Lynch fans who I probably just offended. <laughs> um. What are you drinking, Harrison? I... Oh, thank you for asking, Jason. <laughs> I am drinking a gin and tonic. I'm drinking it uh, in one of my highball glasses. Uh, it has a lime, and I'm using uh, some elderflower tonic water. It does look fancier than your typical mm-hmm. G&T. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the elderflower tonic water is it's really nice. It gives us um, I I already love a gin a gin and tonic as famously, mm-hmm. but um, the elderflower just gives it just a touch like more aro- aromaticness. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's quite nice. We don't get it often because it's a little more expensive, but you know it's a treat. It's a treat. Um, all right, Jason, toast us. Okay. Um, I would like to give a toast to the Racing Louisville football team. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, as my friend uh, and uh, founding, like, original season ticket holder, uh, Margaret, told me they are kind of always the underdog in every match that they're in. However, their home opener was, uh, we're recording this on a Saturday, so it was a week ago today, and uh, I got to go, and despite the fact that it was cold as shit, mm, yeah. a lot colder than in, than we were told in the fort in the weather forecast. Um, and Racing Louisville was down at halftime, a zero to two, uh, to the Washington Spirit. They came back and tied it up two to two, and it was impressive as hell. Nice. And I had a lot of fun watching it. Cheers. Yep. You go, girls. Oh, sorry, you go women. <laughs> well, it's funny when you said you go girls, my mind immediately went, we are the muses. <laughs> Goddesses of here. Hang on, hang on, let me, let me get the, let me get like the Charlton Heston voice. <laughs> you go girls. I fucking love Hercules. It's so good. Um, we, we also, funny enough, um, this episode of Angel shares sound bites with Hercules in that uh, the first scene which we're just gonna go jump right into right now um, as uh, Angel and the gang return to the Hyperion apparently from a 24 hour baby store I'm I'm guessing they went to Walmart but uh, they were able to get and you know even though he doesn't get his name until the end of the episode I'm just gonna go ahead and refer to him as Connor yeah um the uh, they were able to get Connor like a little outfit and uh, you know a couple of essentials like bottles and uh, formula I'm assuming yeah and um, and like a teddy bear like you know yeah I feel like you could easily find all this stuff at Walmart yeah uh, or you know I'm sure there's like plenty of other 24 hour chains in uh, in LA that we don't even know about I mean hell you could probably. The teddy bear, I'd say, would be 50-50, but all that stuff you could probably also get at, like, a gas station, too. Um, yeah. Maybe not clothes. Maybe I guess it would depend on... But, yeah, I'm sure there's some, even if it wasn't a Walmart specifically, some sort of Walmart's just what's sticking out in my mind, because at first I thought maybe it was a Ralph's, but I think Ralph's is kind of like Kroger in that it's mostly yeah. groceries. So, um, Ralph's is Kroger. Um, it's it's owned by okay. Kroger. It's just uh, it's just a different name. Gotcha. Um, I think I knew that. It's source, just... <laughs> a former Kroger employee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think and I think I knew that because I think when I was watching The Big Lebowski with uh, with Ben, um, who lived out in California for a while, he uh, he mentioned that like, oh yeah, Ralph's is just Kroger. Yeah, and there's like. Um... There's there's another one that's like if you go further north into Indiana, I can't remember what it's called, but um, uh, once you get into like the upper tier of Indiana, there's oh, okay. another one that's. I think 
Yeah, I think maybe I saw like signs for it when I was yeah. heading to Chicago. Yeah, I can't remember. Basically, Kroger is all over the country, but it's only actually called Kroger in like our mm-hmm. regional area. Um, Represent the five hundred two. Yeah, and the eight one two. But uh, yeah, in any way that shared sound by it was, you do have like the sound of the crying baby, which is. The exact same sound of the crying baby Hercules mm-hmm. in uh, the beginning of the animated movie Hercules. I think there's also, there's like a... I mean, I'm sure it's a very well-used yeah. soundbite throughout. There was like a happy noise he made at one point, too, that I think also like sounded s- s- at least similar to, if not the same. Yeah, probably like right after he like throws the snakes. Yeah, around. he's like... Nyah. Yeah, like, like in panic. Uh, but yeah, so they, uh, they show up and, and, uh, they're like, oh, you know, it's so nice to finally be away from all that carnage and everything, but hey, don't forget, in, uh, in Lullaby, there was kind of just a huge dust up as, uh, they, as Holtz and his, uh, demon, demon hirees took apart the Wolferman Hart team. They're like, oh God, I wonder if, like, the thing in those cages are still... Is still loose, and then they realize that the cage says "baby and mother," yeah. which is sad. That's sad. <laughs> yeah, Fred. Fred sees that, and she's like, "Oh, oh. She's... <laughs> Fred is so cute this week." I know we say that every week, but... um, and uh, and Lorne uh, shows up as well because uh, technically Angel Investigations is responsible for blowing up the club both times, yeah. um, indirectly responsible. Uh, but you know, he's like, "Fuck it, I'm staying here now." Very much, uh, very much the Professor McGonagall energy of, "Why is it when anything happens, it's always <laughs> you all?" <laughs> um, I'm so glad that Lorne is here in the hotel. The whole gang is together. Yeah, and like it, it, it has always been. At times, it always seems like just an extra step to get Lorne into the episode as well, mm-hmm. because they have to go to Caratos. Yeah. Uh, but you know now he's here and the whole family is here yeah. um, and yes everybody wants to hold the baby um, uh, obviously Cordelia um, because I think at this point uh, well maybe it's not too much to, maybe it's a little too much to assume but Cordelia does seem to have like the maternal energy mm-hmm. and um like, now there's an actual, like, infant to direct that at. Well, I guess still newborn. Yeah. To direct that at. And uh, she's the one... And obviously, like, she, she's probably the first one to notice that Angel is, like, kind of wearing himself ragged. Yeah. Um, Gun offers to hold the baby because of, um, like, he took care of his... Uh, his was it his niece? Niece, I think. Niece, yeah. Um, oh, oh, no, cousin. Uh, Cousin? Okay. Yeah, niece wouldn't make any sense unless he has another sibling that we don't know about. By the way, now I feel incredibly terrible because today is actually my niece's third birthday and I did not put that in the toast. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whoops, sorry. <laughs> I, I want to go gosh back just a, a minute to, to talking about Cordelia kind of taking on the maternal role. I think the other half of it, it too, that, it just, that makes sense is that like she is the closest person to Angel Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for her to to just naturally step into that that role as essentially his number two, um, in taking care of Connor. Yeah, um, 
Now this, uh, but you know, Angel's not um, letting anybody touch Connor. And this is actually probably one of the reasons why this episode isn't so hot for me. Oh yeah? Yeah, I, I feel like it is... Well, normally I like the brief departures from the broody character that we come to know and love about Angel. Mm-hmm. Like every now and again, he'll say like something funny or just like do something funny. This seemed like such a immediate snap into the cliches of first time parent, and it doesn't really ring true to Angel's character. Mm-hmm. It on I honestly kind of. And I do like later on in the episode when Lauren tells Angel to just look at him. I think that scene was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but it it feels like more that um, Angel should be worried and um, a little more like Angel about it instead of just being like the... And I think a lot of it is done for humor's sake of just like showing him being completely different from how he usually is with like all the baby talk and and all of that and i appreciate like his overprotectiveness but like the the fact that he goes into like as cutesy father stuff as Mm -hmm. as pop like that that just doesn't it didn't sit right with me it didn't feel like it didn't feel natural for the character that's really interesting because i actually feel the exact opposite okay um i feel like all of that is a testament to his anxiety kicking it over this baby, kicking into overdrive. And I mean, we see when he's doing like the cutesy voices, he's just trying anything to get this baby mm-hmm. to stop crying. And it, we see him do the cutesy voice, but then immediately when it doesn't work, like the defeat of like, okay, that didn't work. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. It- and then on top, I think he, I, what I'm seeing in Angel is all of the normal anxieties of a new parent, especially one who never thought they would be a parent or could be, plus the additional anxieties of there are a lot of people who want my baby dead or, you know, dissected or made into soup, apparently. Like, um, I... So, to me, the, uh, such a drastic change in characterization makes sense Especially when we see him, by the end of it, embrace the help from his from his family. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's when we see him mellow out and kind of become, get back to his real character. Like, you know what I mean? So it's funny. So, you, you would like... You like the way that they did it before, where I would have preferred, like, the complete opposite. Yeah. I just... Uh, I, but, think, but I, I, I do like the... I do like the where it gets to at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we're, like, in agreement on that. Yeah. So I guess I do agree with you that he is acting slightly out of character. But for me, I believe that this situation would cause him to act out of character. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What I kind of picture in my head more, and, um, I mean, at this point it's just, like, wishful thinking. Because, you know, the episode <laughs> is the episode. But what I picture more in my head is the more likely thing is, like, um, you know, Angel trying to take care of a like legit take care of a human and more of like confusion Mm -hmm. as opposed to desperation like even more like uh maybe not able to and maybe even not willing 
uh, subconsciously now willing to form a bond mm. with the with this baby as opposed to like full on going and like look I'm your dad uh, here's your bottle and here's yeah. your here's your bear um, so yeah it, it it seems a little it just seems out of place and uh, and kind of is I don't know it, I mean we know where this goes. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I can see people being a little worried that um, this changes the entire dynamic of the show. And in a way it does, but maybe not necessarily in the way that people would be afraid of. Because, you yeah. know, a lot of shows are changed with the arrival of a baby. Um, especially yeah. if it's first-time parents. You will always get that first-time parent storyline. This is... So prevalent in sitcoms. Oh yeah, uh, and like some some uh, some shows do it well. Uh, some shows are How I Met Your Mother, yeah. <laughs> um, where uh, you know you have like your. I'd say the initial baby storyline with Marshall and Lily was pretty good, but then they just ran out of stuff to do yeah. for them, and they're like, "Oh, let's uh, let's get let's get Lily pregnant again." And, and again, then, and again, and then like in the finale, they're like, "Oh, we really don't like we're, we we did we we put all of our storytelling, all of our bad storytelling into Bar into Barney, Robin, and Ted, and uh, Tracy. What about uh oh, Lily could get pregnant again? Yeah, oh. yeah. yeah no, it always comes back to how much I hate that show. <laughs> uh, no, but you're right though. It is um, it is adding a baby into a show." is risky and you know it's funny when uh when jason got here i was watching the season five finale of xena i've been doing a xena rewatch and for listeners uh xena introduces a baby um into the show uh in that season uh due to lucy lawless's real life pregnancy and it's a bit of a rough transition for the show I actually think that Angel does a pretty good job with Baby Connor, um, with one with one major exception, uh, which uh, I brought up as like probably my least favorite episode yeah. of Angel. I mean, that may change. My my least favorite episode may change over the course of this rewatch, uh, but I don't think my opinion on that episode is going to change. Yeah. It's um, and it's coming up, but but yeah, it's. Um, I th- I think I think what helps is that this is well one it is just tied directly into the actual plot. It's not just like like and, you know I was oh, thinking let's change things. And, and you know it's funny because I was thinking about how this is kind of the meta plot of the of the show. Mm-hmm. And um you, you and I had to think about it but yeah it's like basically a plot that's been building up since the end of season one mm-hmm. when Darla's brought back to life. Yeah. Because Darla kind of becomes this menacing presence in season two of Angel. And um, eventually, like, Angel's bad decisions lead to him having sex with Darla. And literally all of the... Uh, all Like, the majority of season three's storyline has been about um, Darla's pregnancy and now the child. So it's like this... It's like you get so wrapped up in all this stuff with Wolf Woman Heart that the meta story is like something different. Yeah. 
I hadn't thought about it like that uh, until I was just kind of thinking through the, these coming episodes that we have. <laughs> uh, but yeah, back to the uh, back to the hotel. Um, Gun picks up a uh, Gun picks up like a surgical saw, like a teeny tiny surgical mm-hmm. saw, meant for a teeny tiny surgical patient. Oh. Uh, and Fred says like, "Oh, can you throw that?" And he's like, "Yeah, why?" And, and he turns around, and there's a demon and Gun. Nails this guy in the face with yeah, that. Yeah, it's a good shot. Gun is awesome in this episode, but he's like Gun is awesome. Yeah, no, Gun is <laughs> awesome, but especially especially when he comes back with like not just all the weapons that Angel asked for, but also just damn good recon as well. Yeah, and it's like, gosh, man, you know, nobody's gonna remember Gun in this episode because, but he's great support. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So they realize that even after, even after Darla dying, the baby's still not safe. Um, and uh, so, but Angel then says like, oh, I figured it out. He needs to be changed and proceeds to change Connor on Wesley's desk. <laughs> and uh, we get a really good, a really good comment from Wesley. <laughs> he said, uh, you, so you decide to change him on my desk. I mean... I guess I shouldn't be surprised as I watched you have sex on this desk, so I shouldn't be surprised that there's a baby on yeah. afterwards. And Angel is rightfully like, not me, <laughs> old man. Let's keep the S-E-X talk down in front of the B-A-B-Y. <laughs> He's not going to retain that angel. Um, so uh, Sajan is basically just bitching to Holtz about him not wanting to kill Angel. And Holtz just has, uh, but Holtz has ideas. Uh, Sajan wants to, um, wants to, like, you know, go ahead with the prophecy, like, we need to kill this kid. But Holtz is like, no, this is about revenge, man. I mean, Darla, he, I, I, Holtz is visibly shaken that Darla, like, sacrificed herself mm-hmm. to save the baby, but then, like, immediately goes into, oh, well, Angel's death will be much, Angel's death will be much worse. Yeah. Uh, Angel's fate will be much worse. And Sajan is just, like, so pissed. He is. He's like, man, just we, kill him. We had a deal. Like, just, you know, just make him go poof. Classic. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Holt says that he needs an army. He needs warriors that will die for him, not these mercenary demons. And unfortunately, these demons who, despite Holt's calling them soulless, they were... They seem to be enjoying their gas station food. I like yeah. to think they stopped by 7-Eleven, maybe, and picked up some Slurpees. Uh, of course, you know, Holtz poisoned them. Yeah. So it was a good final meal. Yeah. I mean, I, I bet like, you know, maybe like a nice like cheese dog or, or chili oh, dog or something. I, uh, did, I had a chili cheese dog at Toasties the other night. Ooh. Oh, so good. Which one is Toasties again? That's the burger place that we went to. Yes. Um, that's down this you, street. <laughs> every time I ask you, like, I feel like I've asked you that at least five <laughs> times over the past month. It, um, what's it's, been, it's been like... A year or two, like, since we went there. Yeah, um, I think we went there before COVID. No, I'd never been there before COVID. Okay, because yeah. didn't we go for, like, your birthday or or Grace's birthday or something? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like Grace was there. Maybe she wasn't. I, I don't know. I don't know anything You're losing your mind. Probably. <laughs> um, so, uh, fortunately for... Um, for the gang, uh, Lorne was able to convince the Transuding Furies to set up a mystical barrier around the hotel. 
Um, Fred's a little uh, a little snarky. Yeah, she's a little snarky <laughs> because like, oh, so you know, like, and, and you know, uh, Lauren's basically time like nobody can get in, nobody can get out. There's like a secret entryway with like a, or there's a secret exit, emergency exit through the sewers with like a, with a code word that means a what in pilot? Uh, hedgehog. Hedgehog. The 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 facial journey that Fred goes on when she he says that she has this look of like recognition of like mm-hmm. oh yeah and then realization of like and like this like little giggle because we're not told what it is but apparently the Pylian word for hedgehog is something very different in English. Hmm. What do you think it is? So Fred reacts with like like a giggle. To me, that indicates that it's like raunchy, but not maybe not necessarily like the c word, you know, not mm-hmm. something offensive. So I'm gonna say it's something like it's like vulva. Okay, I like that. <laughs> I, I was uh, I was the word that came to my mind was queef. I actually kind of thought of that first, but I'm like. <laughs> I don't need to bring up Queef, but... <laughs> Alright, so we're in agreement that the password to get in and out of the Hyperion is Queef. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Fred does get snarky about this because she says, like, oh, is that the same kind of barrier that, you know, worked as long as somebody didn't throw a firebomb into your club, like, the last time? Damn, Fred. <laughs> you need to calm down. And then she immediately, like... Feels bad. She's like, sorry. Yeah, I think that was the analytical part of her brain taking over before, like, you know, the, uh, like, a reading the room part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but based on what Lauren says, no, this cannot, it sounds like he's actually created, like, a full-ass force field around, uh, sounds like it's similar to what Willow did, um, in, uh, at that gas station at the end of season five yeah when they were hiding from glory so if somebody tried to kick a firebomb like it would just bounce right back yeah. at them. um and uh angel like cordelia is reading up the on the baby books and uh she says that they need to take uh the baby to see a doctor and uh he says like no like uh i mean he's not sick and she's like, well, he needs to get these newborn tests, vitamin K and PKU or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, she's like, and she says that like, you have to let us, um, you have to let us help you. You can't do everything for him. It's like, yes, I can. Like, you know, I mean, his, his mother died, so I have to be his everything. Understandable. Um, I, I, li- I like that. I, and, yeah. um, and then, uh, Oh, actually, wait a minute. I'm jumping ahead. I was just saying, I think yeah. this comes later. Yeah. Should we we have kind of like the begin? She says something very similar, though. Basically, yeah. like it's the start of what later right. becomes this big, yeah. bigger conversation. So then, um, yeah. So is Wolfram and Hart next, or the or the uh, angels' bedroom scene? Wolfram and Hart is next. Okay, all right. The Buffy Wiki's jumping around too. <laughs> so this isn't just me. Um, Oh yeah, and while Angel is attempting to like uh, change the diapers on uh, on Connor, he's like, "Well, yeah, you know, I know how to change a diaper. It's just that these new fangled ones with the straps <laughs> that were apparently made of space age material." Oh my gosh! Oh lord! 
And uh, of course, you know, Holtz, um, he, he wants to get information from this box, this magic box. Yeah. So they're ha- so right now Angel and Holtz are having a, how old are you fuckers battle? <laughs> At um, least Holtz has the excuse that he missed a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Angel, less so. Um, yeah, so uh, Wolfram Hart still has their spy cameras in place. And uh, they are very interested into how the baby could have been born, even though the prophecy said that it should not happen. Uh, the uh, Lila and Gavin put together that uh, since Darla staked herself, uh, Connor wasn't technically born, uh, which is a very like ridiculous technicality. But hey. That's how Macduff was able to kill yeah. <laughs> to kill Macbeth. And spoiler alert for Macbeth. <laughs> yeah, I love Lila mentioning that. It's so funny to me when I before I ever saw or read Macbeth, I was like, I, I knew of like the uh, no man of woman born can can kill him, and I was like, oh, a woman's gonna kill him. Like I was like, that's the obvious. Pull, pull, pull an Eowyn, I am I, no man. <laughs> Which is actually fun because I'm sure you already know this, but um, for anyone who doesn't, I, it's never something I really made the connection for. But in the books, it's more clear that like there was like a prophecy that the Witch King would not be killed by man, and in the movie he's killed by Eowyn, but in the book he's killed by Eowyn and Mary. Mary, I was like, oh god, which one's with her? Uh, they both land blows in his death, thus being killed by both a woman and a hobbit. Technically, Mary lands a blow. Uh, Mary, like, stabs the witch king in the leg in the movie. Oh, he does! Yeah, yeah. he does! I forgot that. I get so... The, you know, the big moment is Eowyn, so I kind of forgot about that. But... Yeah, like, um, it, it's like, because, you know, that's when, like, the... Because, you know, the witch king's towering over her and saying, like, no man can kill me. Or he's like he's choking Aowen. Yeah. And then Mary stabs the witch king in the leg. That causes him to release Aowen and then Aowen says, I am no man and stabs him in the fucking yeah. no face. Yeah, but I just love that prophecy twist that he's like he's killed by not a man, Aowen in the sense of sex and gender, and not a man but in Mary in the mm-hmm. sense of like race. So I just think that's fun. Yeah. Good for them. Uh, but yeah, and so, um, I always forget the, I always forget the Wolfram Hart upper guy's name. Oh, um, it's an LM. Linwood Murrow. Yeah, Murrow. Um, thank you. Uh, why is it? What? Is he not? Oh, there, there it is. I was looking at the actor. Shit. <laughs> oh, get your shit together, Jason. Um. Yeah, and so they are, uh, and you know, Linwood Morrow is um, making his own little kind of cutesy baby talk <laughs> to the screen. Very violent cutesy baby talk. Yeah, it's like, sometimes your daddy turns into a soulless creature and kills people. It's dangerous for you. And I was, I was telling Harrison, I think there's a moment where Stephanie Romanoff breaks. I think so. Okay, and, uh, and he turns around and I was like, I really like kids. Yeah. I... I'm, I'm, I suspect the I Really Like Kids was part of the script. I, I don't think that's an ad lib. Um, I think it was. Maybe he was meant to get like self-conscious and then say that. Or just like kind of, just, you know. But 
whether her laugh was scripted or not, it just really elevates that moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh. And, and, you know, I feel like, um, I feel like it had to be ad lib because I feel that, uh, Lila would never laugh at, like, a superior. Yeah. Um, so I just love that they kept that in there. Yeah. <laughs> love you, Stephanie Romanoff. Ah, we love her. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so at this point, Angel has been trying to get Connor to stop crying. Um, and he is like, he even tries singing an Irish lullaby, which sounds a lot like part of Come On Eileen. (laughs) I was half expecting that to be the song. Um, and you know, Lauren comes in and tries to help. And so they both start singing Smokey Robinson. Ooh, baby. Some of those bears dance moves were not appropriate. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) But I have to say, um. Uh, that that scene was sweet, and this yeah. is when we get the scene where uh, um, Lauren does tell Angel that he's like become a big wound up ball of anxiety, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, you need to like you, you need to look at your son because he's not just a mission. I love that line. I love that he's not just a mission. Yeah, this is this is something that you know, in spite of everything that Angel's done over his life and unlife, as Lila puts it, um, he. Uh, this is not a scenario that he's been in. Yeah, Liam was never a uh, was never a man for. Nah, I mean he, he like he probably could have had some bastard children, but yeah, he, he loved the part where you make yeah. the baby. <laughs> but yeah, and he uh, and so there is like this really sweet moment where. Um, and this stuff I actually enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he's trying to make the faces to make Connor, like, stop crying. And uh, after his first two failed attempts... And I think even, even like, when he starts making the first one, you know where this is headed. Yeah. But uh, he, uh, he says, like, okay, kid, I only got one more. And he uh, vamps out, and that is what Connor likes. It and works. It, it works, and I also just love that... Um, Maybe it's not even a smile. I don't. I don't remember if like Connor actually smiles, but he's more just kind of looking at him. It's this nice little moment of like the son looking at like arguably the true form of mm-hmm. his father mm-hmm. and uh, not being afraid. Yeah, uh, it's it's nice. It's a nice imagery. It's really it's a very vulnerable moment for Angel um, because showing people yeah his true face um, is. I mean, it's dangerous for him. Yeah. I mean, thinking all the way back to his first kiss with Buffy, where he vamps out. And um, think of um, in Pylea when yeah. he, like, vamps out and turns into, like, the full-on yeah. vampiric form and uh, scares the shit out of Fred. Yeah, but here, it's, a, it's like, it's, it's used as a moment of trust and bonding. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah, a lot. it's good. And so the next morning, it is revealed that he has uh, gotten Connor to stop crying um, and that's when uh, that's when Cordelia is like, oh, we need to go to the hospital. We need to like get him a checkup. Yeah. All newborns need checkups. And uh, and Angel says like, no, I have to be his everything. Yeah. And Cordelia says like, oh, really? All right then, come on, follow me. And she like starts taking him outside into the sun. And he's like, Cordelia, you know that I can't. Like, what are you doing? And she's like, we're going outside. You know where your son's going to want to play where you'll have to take him to the hospital if he gets sick during the day. And, uh, and like, you can't do that. 
And uh, yeah, truth bomb from Cordelia. Yeah, she's right. Yeah, she's fucking right. He's, um, even though he's not listening. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Angel um, at that point says like, "Oh, I'm like, you know, could be the sunniest day in LA, and I'd still like run to the hospital." Yeah. Uh, it's admirable, admirable angel, but it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Which, in fairness, sums angel up <laughs> sometimes. Honestly, I feel like that sums up new parents in general. Right. Admirable, but stupid. <laughs> um, there's a bit at the beginning of this little interaction that they have that I really love where Cordy's like, he tells Cordy, like, I was up all night watching him and Cordy's like, oh, well, we can take shifts. And he was like, no, not like that. I was just watching him. Yeah. And Cordy just, uh, I love when Cordy smiles. We, we all know this, but like when she has that moment of realization that he wasn't, he was just enjoying the time with his son instead of being that overprotective ball of anxiety. Um, which I think helps her think that maybe this is a good time to get through to him. She's wrong. Um, but it, it was an admirable well, attempt at Gordon. Technically, she's, this is the time that she gets through to him. Well, yes. Yeah, we, we don't, don't know, know that. that until later. Um, so, so, and Lauren does come down and say, like, oh man, this place. Uh, this place, I feel like the only safe place in here is the janitor's closet. Yeah. Um, what does he mean by that? He has been complaining basically since he arrived about like uh, buzzing. Humming noise. Um, so I'm curious. Did you see him slip the note? I did. You did? Yes. Okay. I, because I was trying to, uh, like, I, um, I saw him do that and I was trying to remember what it was. Uh, but I couldn't remember off the top of it. But I did actually see him slip yeah. the note. I was looking for it because, just because I remembered that. Basically, from here out for the rest of the episode, the Angel team, Angel Investigations team are just putting on a show for the cameras. Mm-hmm. So I was specifically watching to like see if you could actually see it. And you can, but it's subtle enough. You have to enough. be looking for it. Exactly. It's subtle enough that if you miss it, like, like it's easy to miss. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that. Yeah, there are a couple of, uh, there are a couple of, like, moments that's happened in, like, TV and movies, and I... And I go back to see, like, oh, did that actually happen that way? And, uh, and like, um, I think uh, Star Trek The Undiscovered Country, um, when uh, Kirk and uh, McCoy are trying to escape Ruripente, uh, the prison planet, mm-hmm. they're out in the snow, and, uh, and Kirk says, like, oh, Spock put a patch on my back that'll help them, like, find our location so they can t- transport us out of here once we get free of the, sh- once we get clear of the shield. And I remember like looking for that specifically on um, on a rewatch of the movie. And yes, there is a point where uh, Spock's at, like uh, Kirk and McCoy are about to go over to the Klingon ship that just got attacked, and uh, and Spock and Spock says like, "Oh, perhaps you were right." And uh, like you can see him put his hand on Kirk's okay. shoulder, like right on the back, right on Kirk's back. And that's where he's putting that patch. I'll have to keep an eye on that. I've been rewatching the Star Trek uh, movies specifically, mm-hmm. um, so I'll, once I get to that, I'll keep an eye out for that. That's fun. I, 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 I'm with you there. I love when you have that reveal of like, oh, someone secretly got something. Being able to go back and see where it happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Lila is given the task of basically trying to figure out who Holtz is. So she goes down to files and records. And uh, there she is met with Flo, the progressive girl. Yeah. The first time I watched this, I remember because I mean Flo's been the progressive spokesperson for what like twenty years now. It, it feels like it's been forever. Um, 
I mean, hell, there's a good chance that she was doing that that job. Um, let me see. I'm going to pull it up. Um, she first appearance was in 2008, so 15 years. Um, and she's still doing it. That Oh, you know that actress has got an ass ton of money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's... I don't know how difficult it is to make the... Uh, to make, like, progressive commercials, but I feel like you can... I, I feel like it's a good way to make money quick, especially when you're, like, the the face of... Yeah. The, of a very popular company. Commercials are very, very lucrative, especially ones that are national, um, and especially ones for an organization like Progressive, because, I mean, it's because of residuals. You're not actually getting paid a ton for the commercial itself, but... Um, they air the commercial over and over again. Exactly. And if you luck out like she did, I don't want to say luck out, that... that there is she an element of earned her role. Yeah, but it's in in the way that like you know everybody earns their role. It, it I mean, there is an element of yeah, luck. Yeah, there, there in, is an element in, of in luck. The industry. Yeah, that's why they call it lucky break. Yeah, so she, you know, she's been basically the progressive, per, like face of progressive for fifteen years now. Um, she's in the majority of the commercials. They've introduced new characters. Um, but yeah, it's, but yeah, the first time I watched it, I was like, wait, is that flow? <laughs> Cause she is, she is just one of those pop culture things. Yeah. Um, you know, it, but that Holtz probably won't get. Yeah. <laughs> if he met her, he'd be like, who are you? She's like a thousand records. And he's like, mm. we're about to, we're about to get to, uh, we're about to get to Holtz, but like, let's just wrap up this, uh, files and records scene. Yeah. Because, uh, she said, um, Lila doesn't know where to start. She says she just needs all the information on Angel. And, uh, of course, it's like 35 cabinets worth. Yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, does, like, uh, does the Chinese place deliver down here? And uh, that immediately may, may be one ch- takeout Chinese food, because I love <laughs> takeout Chinese oh, food. Yeah. Like, and, it, and, like, you know, it can be, like, any one of those just random Chinese restaurants that have the same menu as every other mm-hmm. Chinese restaurant. I love it. We've got one that's literally just right, like, down around the corner from mm-hmm. us. Um, yeah, mine's uh, mine's not too far away either. Unfortunately, they're closed on Mondays, but there's like uh, there's one that's like uh, not too far away. If I ever get the hankry for Chinese on Monday, nice. Uh, but the uh, yeah, it, it's I love takeout Chinese food. <laughs> what can I say? Uh, that might be something that I enjoy more in takeout form than like at a sit down restaurant. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Uh, but, um, uh, I almost said Stephanie Romanoff. <laughs> Lila spends uh, 18 hours uh, like pouring that. through all these records, trying to remember who this guy, who, what like name Angel called him uh, when they were at the Hyperion. And it turns out that, uh, oh, Files and Records Girl, Flo, knows... She can. She's pretty much like a, a search engine in human form. Yeah, she's like the three-eyed raven of Wolfram and Hart. A little bit, like, <laughs> and it's honestly kind of creepy when, like, uh, when Darla asks for like information on Holtz, and uh, and then like her eyes like glaze over with this yeah. pretty much just like buffering. Yeah, and, and there's like a filofax sort of noise, yeah. like someone flipping through, like, uh, and it is kind of funny that. Uh, 
you know, she she just could have done that from the beginning. <laughs> Lila didn't ask. I love how every time Lila kind of was like, how do you know that? Like, and she's like, a thousand records. Yeah. I know everything. Um, which is crazy to think about that you've got someone, up, in theory, this woman is maybe the most powerful person in the organization. She knows Apparently everything that's in all of the, their files so, that they have. My headcanon is that she's not a full person. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, I think she's probably just a an avatar mm-hmm. for records. So, like, she probably doesn't even exist outside of files. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely. They would never. They would never allow. Uh, a, a self-realized individual yeah, it's, access it, to this, that. This much. is Wolfram and Hart's uh, checks and balances. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Angel had earlier requested. Oh wait a minute, hang on. Now we got to get to Holtz. Yeah. This is like this is literally like the the rest of the Holtz story of the episode. Um, Holtz is basically he has used the magic box from Sean's <laughs> lair. <laughs> To find a woman named Justine, uh, her twin sister, uh, what was her name? Julia. Uh, Julia, yeah. Julia was recently killed. Um, it was uh, originally classified as like, um, you know, a standard like assault, but uh, it was actually vampires. Uh, Justine is trying to pull her best Buffy by killing vampires in a cemetery, which is almost certainly the same cemetery from Buffy. Yep. <laughs> um, I, w- I don't think I've ever had a safer bet in the world. <laughs> Um, but, uh, Holtz is saying that, that, uh, she's sloppy. She is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not even going to try to hide my contempt for this character. Just yeah, like... well, I honestly completely forgot that she existed. Well, I wish I could forget. Um, and, uh... I mean, so I, let's just be real. This is just Kate Lockley 2.0, this character. Without, like, any development yeah i and i i cannot confirm this and between you know before we do our next angel episode i'll I'll do some research to see if this is true but i have always felt that this was meant to be kate that we um but maybe i mean we know that elizabeth rom left the show to do law and order perhaps they tried to get her back to do this role and she said no perhaps they didn't even try perhaps i'm wrong perhaps this was never this role was never meant to be filled by kate but I can see where you're coming from, but also given where Kate ended up, it doesn't... And, you know, maybe Kate ended up the way that she did because she was leaving the show. Right. But it felt like they were in a... Not a good place, but an amicable place. Like, I'll let you exist, you let me exist, uh, sort of thing. Her and Angel. Uh, So it, it it seems a little weird that, like, she would be a disciple of this guy... Um, now, if it was like post Trevor Lockley's death, I'm Trevor Lockley, <laughs> we're gonna keep bringing it back. <laughs> and like you know, when Kate's at like her lowest point and yeah. hating Angel profusely, which was honestly just like a couple of episodes before she left, yeah. Um, then I could easily see her be like Holtz tapping her, but we don't have we don't have Kate. We have Justine. Yeah. And, uh, Never thought I'd want Kate back so much. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually, uh, after like you know, giving him the standard like, uh, "Oh, you're a creep," like, "Leave me alone." Um, Holtz promises her to uh, 
that like you know he'll he'll train her to be like better at killing vampires and uh in exchange he just wants help killing this one particular vampire yeah it's very um it's very much a sort of dark mirror to buffy and giles's relationship um but also different than the mayor and faith yeah yeah um yeah because i mean i think the mayor did as we discussed profusely did genuine affection and care for her where holtz just feels very predatory yeah i mean he i don't think he has any concern for justine but he expects justine to be willing to fight for his cause Uh uh-huh yeah, because despite what he said to Sajan, where he doesn't just want hired mercenaries, like he wants people dedicated to the cause, he still wants people who will just do what he says regardless. Yeah, um, he just. But you know, I think I think what it boils down to is like it's important that Justine is human because Angel flat out called out Holtz for having the demons working for him. Yeah, so that very much could have been like oh. Well, I can't let I can't let that bastard vampire be right. <laughs> um, so, Angel previously requested that Gun get like more weapons than swords and spears. He comes back with some pretty heavy firepower. This includes like a lot more like intimidating modern crossbows mm-hmm. um, and a flamethrower. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I disagree uh, with Wesley's choice to use it inside the hotel, but we'll allow it. Um, and, uh, Gunn does say that, uh, there are lots of factions outside. There's the, there's some guys in hoods and robes, which are, which Wesley surmised to be the cult of Ulthar. Um, and, uh, there's human bikers that, uh, that Gunn is aware of, um, from previous days. And also, uh, some, uh, blacked out cars that more than likely have vampires in them. Uh, it's still daytime, but uh, Wesley does note that um, the barrier could be broken down by the cult of Ulthar um, because they draw their power from the moon. And it's a full moon. Of course, because it's always a full moon when you need it to be. Yeah. Or when, you know, your main characters don't want it to be. Um, or excuse me, no, like... Uh, the cult of Ulthar is... Excuse me, the cult of Ulthar is the vampires... Oh, okay. And um, the the Liliad demons are the ones... Oh, it's too many to keep track of. Yeah, um, and they they want to make magical broth with the children's bones. Good for them. Weird. Um, so... Well, see, they taste better when they're young. Oh, like veal. <laughs> Not so much stress on the meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you, you know, I'm pretty sure Cruella de Vil had that same... Uh, yeah, didn't we have this conversation one did. time where I was, I was like complaining? I was like, it just seems like a lot of work to get so many puppies just to get a few full grown Dalmatians. And you were like, well, their, their coats are softer as puppies, so that'll be the better coat. And listen, I have to agree with you. I, you're right. You're, I, 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 I don't know if I should be proud of knowing that fact or not. It was, you can't, you, it was really, I, it was such a funny conversation. And that's why I remember it so well because you just came with that answer so fast. I, was like, I promise that I have never tried to skin any puppies. We at Booze and Buffy do not condone the skinning of puppies for coats 
or any other reason. You know, let's just let's just go ahead and go animal violence in general. Yeah. We don't condone animal violence, but very specifically that kind of animal yeah. violence. We are pro puppy, anti puppy coat. <laughs> <laughs> um so the demons are able to break down the barrier um and the team is trying to get ready uh to basically just kind of make a stand, but Angel says, "No, we can't do that." Um they're here for the baby. I need to. I need to um, go out on my own, uh, pull like and draw them away. And they're like, "Hey, you can't do that." Um, and uh, you know, Gunn says like, "Oh man, you know, Levin's what he's best at. You want to fire us all again and put a cherry on top?" <laughs> um, and you know, Cordelia's like, "You obviously didn't listen to a single thing that I said." And he's like, "No, I didn't." And then he, uh, or no, he did hear it, but he just doesn't care. Yeah. So he leaves through Lauren's uh, sewer access. Uh, the vampires get into a fight with the bikers. One of the vampires gets in. Uh, and right before then, uh, Wes and Gunn were hyping themselves up, uh, imagining that they were characters from Rio Bravo and Assault on Precinct 13, respectively. Uh, and... They high-five each other when they do that. They're besties. <laughs> yeah, um, and Cordelia's actually kind of mean. She says, oh, if we survive this, uh, lose the DVD players and get a life. Yeah. A little bit of the old Cordelia peeking yeah. through. It's funny. I It is interesting. Maybe this is something we should clock. I do actually feel like some of her mean girl energy does sometimes creep back in when they're in really stressful situations. <laughs> Fair enough. Everybody's got their own way of of uh, dealing with the stress of fighting demons. I mean, you know, Xander makes jokes. Uh, Cordelia bullies. Cordelia bullies. Uh, Fred says cute Texan things. And uh, and Willow before this before this season um, usually like finds ways of adding Y to the end of every word possible. Yeah. And, you know, now she just does heroin. (laughs) (laughs) We all have our ways of dealing. Uh, But the... Yeah, so Wolfram and Hart sees Angel leaving with the baby. um, And so they send their alpha team... Not Palpatine, like I thought they said. (laughs) (laughs) Out to uh, go... Out to chase him down. Uh, One of the vampires comes in. And uh, says, like, oh, where's the child? And and uh, Wes says, like, oh, he's upstairs. You want to go get him? And then burns him with the with a flamethrower. Yeah, hot. hot. <laughs> um, and, uh, like, another one comes in. is like, oh, it's, it was all a trap. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> and he also gets burned. He gets got. Yeah. Um, so everybody starts chasing after Angel. Angel's driving away in his car. Um and there's a point where he's like trying to talk to Connor, saying, um, uh, "You know, not really worried about that. This is the easy part. I'm worried about not having all the answers to the questions. Like, why is the sky blue? Why is there pig's blood in the fridge? Well, actually, I know the answer to that last yeah. one. It's because and then like he's interrupted because, um, uh, yeah, all of the uh, like, um, fortunately." All of the factions are also fighting themselves, so Angel's able to escape into a mine shaft. Um, but he eventually is like cornered, and uh, they say, "Oh, where's the uh, like? Give us the child." It's like, "You want the baby? Here you go!" And just tosses 
tosses the child to the uh, to the demons and then just like bolts the hell out of there. And uh, they say like, oh, we just gave up the baby. And uh, they open it up and it is in fact the teddy bear Aww. and a bomb. R.I.P. Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it is then revealed uh, that and through Wolfram and Hart looking back at the footage that right after Cordelia attempted to take Angel outside, um, Lorne comes back, he puts the, uh, and he did in fact slip a note into Angel's pocket, and mentioning the janitor's closet was literally the only place that there weren't cameras set up, so Angel knew where to go to read the note. Mm -hmm. And from there, they, as Harrison mentioned, everything up to this, like, since then had been an act yeah and it's funny because you don't in retrospect it's it's kind of easy to spot we we actually don't see anything from the angel investigations team's perspective from the time angel gets the note to the time they're preparing for the battle Mm -hmm. we're doing it's all wolfram and hart and holt stuff um and uh I'm it's a good plan and it like I I really I also like that part of the plan as we're about to see is while Angel takes care of the bad guys the rest of the team takes the baby to the doctor mm-hmm. um, and it's a nice way of tying those two kind of threads together of the supernatural threat and just the real human drama of having a child Yep, and uh, and the humming noise that Lauren had heard was uh, the tra- like the transceivers for the uh, for the equipment that uh, Gavin had put up in the hotel, um, and they said like, oh well, we're gonna have to have a reckoning with him soon. The vampire alarms go off; they have a reckoning with him now. And <laughs> Angel goes up to uh, Linwood and uh, takes a knife and cuts cuts him right on the chin because earlier Lauren had remarked that uh, despite being like hours old uh, Connor already had a uh, a scratch a cut on his ch- on his cheek and at this point Angel says that any harm that happens to his son will be repaid to Linwood and is this his first time meeting Linwood? I think so. Yeah. What an impression. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I think he's just fucking at it with for an art people. Yeah. Um <laughs> You would never see him doing this to Holland Manners. Uh, well, unless you threatened his son. Uh, but he says, like, oh, anytime he's sick, uh, anytime, like, he gets a sunburn, you're going to get that. And uh, and then as he's walking out, he says, like, oh, and by the way, you better start saving up for his college fund. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Linwood's pissed about it. He is. There's a really interesting moment here, too. I'm going to go back a bit. Uh, when they're sending out the Alpha Team... Uh, Alpha Team Palpatine. Um, uh, Gavin says something about, like, you know, get that baby back here, dead or alive. And Lila's like, no, idiot. And he's like, oh, you don't want to hurt the widow baby? And she's like, no, I'm afraid you'll fucking kill it before we can get it and cut it open alive to figure out what its deal is. And we see this look of, like, admiration from Linwood to Lila that she notices sorry gavin your your time from my heart is probably going to be up yeah. fairly soon but uh but then it, this scene when he gets the cut and angel leaves lila immediately snags gavin's pocket square 
and goes to try to like clean the wound, um, and then would just kind of swats her away. Um, well, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to feel weak. Exactly. Um, so I was just. I thought it was interesting. We have those mo- those moment of like recognition, like game recognized game, but then later followed up with this like, "Don't fucking touch me." Yeah. With your woman hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Angel does uh, appoint uh, Linwood as his godfather, yeah. <laughs> and uh, with the, and he says that even he says that he will like you know bring a reckoning on Linwood even if they even if Wolfram and Hart isn't responsible for it. So that gives Wolfram and Hart the. Uh, the onus to um, keep all these other factions away. Yeah. Uh, so at the hospital, doctors say that the baby is healthy and uh, he needs a name. And uh, Angel shows up to call him Connor. Nice Irish name. Yeah. Uh, Gun. Gun uh, has once again outdone himself by being awesome support and gets the uh, best stroller that a little bit of money could buy. Yes. Uh, gay agenda for this week gun with a baby stroller cause damn I got my vapors <laughs> I love hot dads oh I bet uh, I, I know I, gun I, is not a dad I specifically like... remember um in the walking dead season 3 after um Judith is born and you know like uh Lori's been killed and everything and Rick's like going through his like ridiculousness of like Oh, I'm going insane. Um, there is a point where, like, Daryl is holding a baby. And, and, you know, all the women, all the straight women and gay men who watch uh, who watch Walking Dead already love Daryl. Which one's uh, Daryl? He's the one played... He was Merle's brother. Is it Norman Reedus? Yes, he's okay. Norman Reedus' character. Um, I did not watch The Walking Dead past the first season, so... Yeah, you didn't miss much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, all, all the... Like, he was already beloved by the... Especially, like, the straight female fan base. And uh, when it's, when it showed him, like, holding a baby, I'm like, oh, God. I bet, like, every female Walking Dead fan's uterus just went off. Mine did. And... Mine did. And I saw a gun with the stroller. <laughs> um, also, it should be noted that uh, they needed a name for the father... And uh, so it's Mr. Geraldo Angel, <laughs> who is a, which uh, has to be a porn name if I ever heard right. it. Um, and he is a, what was a veterinarian who fights crime. Yes, which I love how Fred's just like we only told him the name. That the rest of it was just me having fun. <laughs> Uh, I love the idea of just to pass the time, Fred just like creating a whole backstory for Angel that's just for herself. I can see her doing that. I mean, yeah. hell, I I can relate to Fred on it, it several times throughout the series, and I also have been known to like just make random backstories. Yeah, it's fine. Why not? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so the gang heads back to the hotel where Angel, hoping with the protection of Wolfram and Hart, they'll be safe for a little while. Yeah. And we get this kind of shot of what could possibly be the new dynamic of this found family now having a baby to look yeah. after. It's their it's the power walk from Carpe Noctum, but with a stroller. Yep. Which I is uh, so uh, power roll. Power roll <laughs> which is I mean it's funny, it's a you know, it but it also is, it, it does kind of signal it's like, okay, we do have this new dynamic. And mm-hmm. so let's see how that dynamic rolls out. And, for lack of a better term. And that is Dad. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this episode, Harrison? I think I liked it more than you did. Um, I 
I really enjoy, you know, we've spent so much time in the last three episodes um, with uh, Darla's perspective. You know, the last three episodes were all about Darla. And, you know, we obviously got Angel's feelings in there, but, you know, it was really heavily Darla-centric, uh, as it should have been. Um, so now our focus and the show's focus has to shift back to Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I I like I like watching <laughs> I like watching Angel Angel struggle, um, but I, you know I I really like the um, this episode's tender in a way. Yeah. You know, it's it really takes the time to slow down. It's not much action. Really, just the end of the episode. It the majority of this episode is very much just like reflection. You know. Try, you know, Angel trying to figure this out and being really reluctant to accept help um, until finally conceding that he does need the help. And he has the help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really like that. I like um, I like all these... I, I love the scene between him and Lorne. I love the scene with him and Cordy. Um, and even though they have a, their role in the episode is smaller, I think Gunn, Wesley, and Fred all... They, they show the strength of the support network. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, all the Wolfram and Hart stuff is really good too. Like, I enjoy those dynamics. Uh, the Holtz stuff is still just not it's doing weak. it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, unless it's like, so far the only time that Holtz has been really strong is when he has the direct interactions with Angel. Yeah. And um, uh, that's been in the present day. And that's been like, just lullaby. Yeah, so... Um, so, yeah, I do... I mean, it's obviously a, a bit of a step down from Lullaby. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's less it's a less egregious step down than Once More Feeling in Tabula Rasa into Smashed and Wrecked. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give this one a three and a half uh, very, very cheap baby strollers. I, um... I, uh... I think, like, talking about it, I don't... Dis- I didn't dislike this as much as I did at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I very much agree that uh, the um, like the tender moments are what sells this. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the Wolfram and Hart stuff is a little more enjoyable upon review. Um, it-, it seemed a tad like isolated from everything else, but I mean that's for a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I agree with you on the whole stuff. Uh, I. I just get so much quickening vibes from this. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually feeling the same I felt about quickening. <laughs> Fair so three out of five. Um, three out of five exploding teddy bears. Very nice. Aw. Just imagining that conversation. Whatever happened to my first teddy bear, Dad? Well, you see, I had bomb. to blow it up <laughs> to <laughs> save your life. No, no, just like, bomb. Bomb. <laughs> actually, that is more angel style. Bomb. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, anything else you want to say? No, I think we said it. Well then, take us out, Mr. Yeah. Kaufman. Well, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We will be back next week with Buffy Season 6, Episode 11, Gone. Uh, this is a fun one, if I remember. Um, it's a little more if lighthearted anything, if it, than things have been. Yeah, if, if anything, it's like a bit of a... A bit of a, like a quality improvement over the last well, two episodes. Everything would be. Um... Uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357. 
And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out A-N-D. Um, but, like, I did find, I did notice uh, apparently on, like, our streaming, like, on, uh, on Apple Podcasts and everything, it's the ampersand. Hmm. So I, I guess I wasn't aware. I never even thought about that. So on the socials, it's A and D. Um, but on the, uh, I'm assuming like not just Apple Music, but uh, not yeah. just Apple Podcast, but like Spotify as well. Um, that's the ampersand. Ampersand. Uh, and please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we're highlighting All Hands and Hearts. All Hands and Hearts is an organization committed to effectively and efficiently addressing the immediate and long-term needs of global communities impacted by disasters. All Hands and Hearts arrives early for first response and stays late to rebuild schools and homes in a disaster-resilient way. Visit www.allhandsandhearts.org for more information. And as always, go slay. And be gay. Uh-huh.